0: out as an institution, right? It didn't start out as a a program or a building program, but instead it started out as a movement that was sweeping across the land. That's how it all began. That's how it started. Uh, But unfortunately though, what we've been seeing and what we've been talking about as we go through this series is many people today don't recognize the fact anymore that it is a movement. That that's what the church is all about. They see it as a place that they go to. They see it as uh, an event that they attend or, uh, or, or a place where, you know, they can go to receive some sort of religious services, uh, you know. Uh, and, and so we began talking in this series about the danger of that. The danger of viewing the church and seeing the church as something that it was never designed to be. Uh, and the, the dangers that we get caught up in this cultural notion and this wrong definition of what the church is and what it's all about. And, and when we do that, the church ceases to become a movement. It ceases to be a movement, uh, which it was intended to be. And we began this series by looking at this statement right here. Movements move. I mean, that's what movements do. Movements move. And if you're a part of the movement, then you're moving. Right? And so we've talked about the importance of that. And, and so, you know, the question for us in this series has been this. Are we as a church, are we running an institution here? Are we actually part of a movement that's sweeping across the land? And, and I think it's an honest question that we need to ask ourselves. Are we running a business? Are we running an institution? Are we running, you know, a service agency or are we part of a a movement? For you, is the church simply a place that you attend or an event that you go to or uh, something that you're associated with so people might perceive you in a different way? You know, is that what the church is to you or is the church to you a movement that you are personally a part of, that you are moving along with? Uh, And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking at how it all began, the first century church, the first century Christians that began uh, this great movement to begin with, and we saw that the reason it all began is because you had this group of people, this group of witnesses that had been around Jesus. They had seen everything and heard everything and learned everything that Jesus had taught they had seen what he went through on the cross. They had seen the death that he experienced. They, they knew what it was all about, you know, and then uh, they saw him resurrected. And there was over 500 people that experienced and saw him alive after he had been killed. And so they had all been witnesses to this, and they experienced this. And then Jesus, you know, he calls the apostles together, and right before he goes back to heaven to sit at the right hand of his father, he basically gives them this task to do. He says, here's your assignment. I'm about to go. Here's what you're to do once I'm gone, and that's to be my witnesses into all the world, right? And so we, we see here that this group of people were so captured and captivated by Jesus and what they had experienced and what they had seen and what they knew and and this message, they were so captivated by this message of salvation through Jesus Christ that they, they would do whatever it took to get this message to everybody else, right? They were willing to walk away from whatever they needed to walk away from. They were willing to give up whatever they needed to give up. They were willing to give their own lives for it. They were willing to be persecuted and tried and and beaten and and killed for this message they were captured by the message because the message is that important the message is so powerful and they knew that it was the only hope of the world and that was the message of Jesus Christ and so they were captivated by the message and then we also see that they yielded to the Holy Spirit They allowed the Holy Spirit to fill them. They allowed the Holy Spirit to do a work in them. And they received this great power through the Holy Spirit to do what they had been tasked to do. And we see here in the book of Acts exactly what it looks like when people are captured by the message, when they're captivated by the message, and when they yield to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. Christianity was a revolutionary movement. With a message that swept the world without armies, right? Without money or even qualified people in positions of influence, it started with. It started with who? We see that it started with just some ordinary people, some carpenters, some fishermen, you know, some folks that are just like me and you, just ordinary people. Is how it all began. uh, That we're radically committed to the message and this good news of Jesus Christ and what He means to this world. And so we're going to continue seeing that today as we continue to as we approach, you know, Acts chapter eight today. And what I want to do is just walk us through this passage and and just be available to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit wants to speak into our lives, into our families, into our church, uh, into this movement. And so let's dive right in and begin unpacking this, starting here in, in, in chapter 8, verse 1. And it starts out kind of odd. Uh, the very first statement says this, And Saul approved of their killing of him. Now, I've got to back up here because I know not all of you were here last week. And, and so we need to back up for just a bit and, and, and you know, kind of refresh where we're at. Uh, in, in chapter 6 and chapter 7, we're introduced to this fellow by the name of Stephen. Just an ordinary guy, right? They they had a situation in the church to where they needed, you know, some volunteers. They needed some helpers. They needed some people basically to distribute food to widows. And, and so Stephen was one of the people that was appointed over that. doesn't seem like, you know, this great position of power or anything like that in the church, but it was a necessary uh, position that had to be filled in the church. And so we're introduced to Stephen. We see the story, uh, and, you know, he... Uh, Uh, because of his commitment to the church, his commitment to the movement and share the good news of Jesus Christ, he he faced some persecution. You know, he was bold in his faith. And we see that because of that, he was stoned to death. I mean, Stephen did all the right things and it ended badly, right? And and so he was stoned to death. And as they were stoning him, we saw, we we saw an interesting statement that was made at the end of chapter seven in verse 58, uh, it was kind of out of the blue while the stoning was taking place. Uh, Luke, who wrote this, he, he made a point to, to, to mention this. He says, meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Okay, and, and, and so, you know, we talked a little bit about the power of that moment when Saul was there witnessing this, and Luke made a point to point out to us that while this stoning was taking place and, and, and you know, this horrific event was taking place there was a person there by the name of Saul and it was in this moment that Stephen was being stoned to death that Saul would hear these cries from Stephen while he's going through this great abuse and being stoned and being killed Saul's sitting here listening to Stephen say father forgive them forgive these people who are hurting me, who are throwing the rocks, who are about to kill me. And Saul's looking on, and he's seeing this man of great faith asking God to forgive these people who were brutally murdering him at the time. And and we talked about the fact that Saul no doubt saw the glory of God in the battered face of Stephen as the blood would drip off him. Saul saw the glory of God. He witnessed the power of faith in Jesus Christ right there in that moment. But we see here that Saul approved of what was taking place. And so let's go on. Verse 1 goes on to say this. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church there in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen, and they mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So what we're seeing here is this. Stephen's execution had really gotten to Saul. We know that there's no way. Well, we know the rest of the story, right? We know eventually Saul becomes Paul, the greatest evangelist to ever walk on the face of the earth. But right here in this moment, we know that it all began. Luke makes a point to tell us it all began right here at the stoning of Stephen. Saul was there. He witnessed all of this. And so, you know, what we see here is this. Stephen's execution had gotten to Saul. And so what does Saul do? Well, Saul felt conviction on his heart. He saw what great faith in Jesus was all about. And he immediately ran to the church and went to the altar and was saved. Right? Right? He called the pastor and said, hey, let's have lunch today. I want to talk to you about becoming a Christian, a follower of Jesus on this movement. Is that what happened? No, far from it. wasn't. He, he doesn't immediately pack up and join the movement, does he? he, he what, how does he respond? Well, he, he responds with outrage. He responds with even more violence. And some of you have experienced this that have been on this journey a while and been on this movement a while. You know, sometimes this is how people respond to conviction. God begins to work on their heart, begin to convict them a little bit. And while well, they do, no, they don't run to the altar. They get mad. They start making accusations against the church and people in the church and, and maybe, you know, against you. Maybe you've experienced this and you've had someone that you knew was probably under some sort of conviction and, and they struck out at you. Uh, instead, verse four uh, goes on to to say this: Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip, and now here's another guy, ordinary guy, all right, uh, not an apostle, but another layman in the church, just another person that's part of the church, part of the movement that's committed to the message, surrendered to the Holy Spirit, all right? Philip's just an ordinary guy, and he went down to a city in Samaria. And he proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and they saw the signs that he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And I believe right here in these eight verses, in these first eight verses here in in chapter 8, we see again what the movement looks like and what the movement does. We see a great example of it here. We see a, a pattern for us and how, how to reach our community for, for Jesus, being his hands and his feet in this world and this community that we're living in. It, it's this word that we often use in the church, this big word that I, I don't know, maybe a, a lot of people even know what it means or what it looks like, but it's what we call in the church evangelism, all right? evangelism in our community. And here's a summary of what we see taking place here. And you may want to write this down this morning. And, and I didn't come up with this, I promise. I read this from a Bible scholar about this passage. And, and I felt like it was so spot on and so relevant to us today that I want to share it with you today. But, but here it is. This is what evangelism is based on this passage that we've just seen. It's a group of ordinary Christians that live intentionally in a community to bring joy to it through their words and their deeds i think that is a beautiful description of what evangelism is right there that's what this passage is all about this is what the the movement is all about it's it's just a group of ordinary people all right it's a group of ordinary followers of jesus that are living intentionally in their community to bring joy to their community through their words and through their deeds and so let's break this down a little bit and i want to look at a few of the key words in this statement and and the key words in this text that tie this all together again apostle luke wrote this passage of scripture and we see him intentionally make the point here of saying that this movement was happening through the work of ordinary Christians. It was happening through the work of just ordinary people. He makes a point to tell us that the first time the gospel left Judea, the first time the gospel left Jerusalem, it wasn't the apostles that were doing it. All right? Go back to verse 1 and look at what he says. He says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Why would he include that detail? Why would he make a point to tell us that all of them left except for the apostles? Well, if you're reading and you stop right there, you think, now he's, he's about to tell us something really awesome that the apostles did because they stayed there. Everybody else fleed. Everybody else left. And so now he's fixing to tell us, okay, he made a point to say everybody except the apostles. So the apostles, you know, we're about to see another really awesome story about what the apostles are doing. But Luke doesn't tell us what he and the other apostles were doing when they stayed there, right? And so the only reason that he would include that detail here in this passage is to put the focus on who? The ones who had left. See, that's why he's wanting us to know. It it was the people that left, and oh, by the way, the apostles didn't leave. They stayed where they were at. And so right now I want you to pay attention to what happened with the people that left and what they did when, when they left. They carried the gospel outside of Jerusalem. They were the ones who took it to the rest of the world, right? They were the ones who, who, who were the missionaries. The first time the gospel was expanded outside the city of Jerusalem, don't miss this, it was carried in the mouths of just normal, ordinary people, not the apostles. All right. And, and so this is how the Holy Spirit works so that the movement carries out this great commission that we've been getting, that, you know, been given to be His disciples, to be His witnesses in all the earth, especially right here uh, in our community. And, and we can't miss this. This is the theme of the movement. This is the theme of the entire book of Acts. All right? It's just ordinary people that are doing extraordinary things because of the Holy Spirit working in their life. Right, the movement grows, the church grows, not by the preaching of a, a, an anointed pastor. All right, the, the movement grows and the church grows, not by the, the preaching of a few anointed apostles. The movement grows, the church grows when every believer is filled with the Holy Spirit and they testify to the gospel in the streets. That's how it grows. That's how it keeps moving. And for those of you who are part of that, for those of you who are a a part of the movement and you're a follower of Jesus, well, listen, he has put you in a place to do this. You're in a place and you're in a situation where you can do this very thing. Sometimes God takes us to these places and it's a divine call, and we don't recognize that. We don't recognize that it's a divine work of God that's put us exactly where we are to do exactly what he called us to do. You know, sometimes we feel called to, you know, put a house up for sale and maybe move somewhere, maybe move to a particular city or particular neighborhood. Maybe you felt at times a a time to make a a job change. I believe I believe God always makes us a little uncomfortable and prepares us for things like that in our lives. And maybe you've made a uh, felt led to take a particular job or to go to a particular school. and the reason that you felt that, the reason God has put you in these situations and led you into these places is so that he can use you in those places. All right, It's always all about him. It's never all about you. It's always about him. It's never about us. And sometimes he moves you uh, because of just normal life circumstances that take place. Something that, you know, was never planned. Something we never imagined would ever happen. In this case here, it was literally because they were being persecuted. This wasn't a, a, a plan of evangelism that they had drawn out. The church board had put together, right? No, they were fleeing for their lives. But what they do while they were fleeing for their lives? Well, our job, our purpose is to tell people about Jesus. And so that's what they're doing in their situation. Even in their situation, they're going to fulfill their purpose. And a lot of you here today are are taking to places every day. You go into places every single day that your pastor could never go. And honestly, would never be invited. (laughs) Right? You go into places every single day where our staff would never be allowed to go and never be invited. So listen, that is your mission field. See what I'm saying? That's your mission field. I'd never be invited to be there. I'd never be in a situation to be in like you're in. And so that is your mission field. And I know you because I know me. And when we think about that, and we think about that task and that responsibility of being evangelist, it scares us all just a little bit because none of you here feel like you're qualified to be one. I know that because I know good and well I'm not qualified to be one and I'm up here. And so I know how you feel. I know you feel like you're not qualified to do that. But I love the statement I've seen for years on church signs all up and down the roads. And it's this. He doesn't call the qualified. He doesn't call the ones that are qualified. He qualifies the ones he calls. Right? And we see that all throughout Scripture. We see that all throughout this movement. It's just ordinary people that God uses to do extraordinary things. People like you and people like me. And we saw last week, you know, we're called to do this. This is our purpose. You will never be successful in life until you're fulfilling your purpose. And your purpose is this, to be his witnesses, to bring glory to him, to serve others, to point people to Jesus. And you can do it. I've had people tell me, I can't do this. I can't do it. Well, I'm going to argue with you until I'm blue in the face. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. Why do I know that you can? Because he sent you a helper. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You can't do it. You, you, can't, you, you can't do anything that mount to a hill of beans. But that's what the Holy Spirit's all about. Jesus knew when he told his apostles, go into all the world and be my witnesses. He knew they couldn't do it. That's why he sent My a helper. He sent you a helper. Because he knows you can't do it. But the Holy Spirit working in and through you, you can do anything. Right? You can do things that you never dreamed or imagined through the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we saw it when this series began, when we started there in chapter 1. Jesus said, You will receive power. And then he goes on to say, And you will testify in Judea and Samaria. Now, where are we at here in chapter 8? Samaria. Right? Right? And the ones who went to Samaria were lay people, just members of the movement, members of the church, followers of Jesus. Listen, God does amazing things when you yield to him. When you yield to him, Jesus promised that he would put the words in your mouth when you needed them. He promises you that, right? So you can do it. You can do it. He uses ordinary people, and he uses them how? Well, we see here that he uses them through their words and deeds. Through their words and deeds. This passage here tells us that Philip's ministry was one of words and one of deeds. It says very specifically, they heard him speak, and they saw the signs he did. Right? Right? verse 7 tells us that the lame were healed and the demons were cast out that was a spiritual work and a physical one right and a true witness of jesus always involves both right it'll involve physical and and the spiritual aspect so what's the word the words uh that we speak what is that well that's the gospel that's what we've been talking about this this awesome message of jesus right? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. That's what the word is. It's, it's this incredible story of Jesus and what he can do in your life. That's the story we tell. That's our words, right? And, and then deeds. In verse 6, actually, uh, here in our passage, calls the, the deeds of Philip uh, signs. And, and I think that's an important word if you think about it and, and what signs do. Because what do signs do? They point us towards something, right? They point us towards someone. And let me tell you something signs are incredibly important in this world that we live in today. And the reason I know that is because of the number of billboards that are on Highway 65. I I, I mean, just try to drive a little ways down Highway 65 without seeing a sign. I mean, it's almost next to impossible. Signs are, are incredibly important, and, and, and you know, they, they point us to something and, and they, or point us to, to somewhere. Listen, Philip's deeds, the thing that he was doing through the power of the Holy Spirit, the deeds that he was doing there, these were signs that were doing what? They were pointing people toward Jesus. These signs were pointing people toward uh, the Messiah. And, and this is huge for us to understand. Our deeds, the things that we do as a part of this movement, as a part of the church, must be signs that are pointing people to Jesus. That's what really matters. You know, uh, not just so that they can see him, but so that they might come to know him and experience him. And, 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 and you know, that can only happen through someone pointing them to Jesus in, in some way or another, right? And, and so Peter calls these signs and, and deeds over in First Peter. He says, you know, our works and our deeds and these signs, this is what adorns the gospel. I love that. It, it's our work. It's our deeds. It's the signs that adorn the message. It makes the message come to life, right? Evangelism is just a group of ordinary people, ordinary Christians, who are living intentionally in a community to bring joy through their words and through their deeds. And, and do you see, that this is so cool, do you see what happens here when ordinary people point people to Jesus through their words and deeds? Well, we see here that it brings joy to the community. That, that's huge. Verse 8 says, Because of what Philip was doing through his words and his deeds, Verse 8 says, so there was great joy in that city. And I don't know about you, but that really convicts me as a pastor. And I believe it should convict all of us as a church, as the movement that's taking place in this community today. I believe that we have to ask ourselves the question, is there great joy in our city because of us? I mean, it's an honest question we've got to ask. Is there great joy in this city? Is there great joy in this community because of the movement, because of the church? You know, would, would, would anybody weep over our death if we were gone? If we were to, you know, lock up the doors and shut down, would we even be missed? in the community. And I think it's so important. You see, this is why it's so important that we do the things that we do in this community for the community. It's to point people to Jesus. You see, everything that Philip did was to point people to Jesus. It doesn't really matter if we point them to the Greenbrier Church of the Nazarene. It doesn't matter if our signs point them to the Life Song or Greater purpose, Greater Purpose Fellowship. Or new life. See, it doesn't matter if our signs point people to those things. What matters is that our signs and our works and the things that we do point people to Jesus. It's why we do what we do. And I think people often mistake that the reason we do the things we do is to entertain them or to make them happy, right? But no, everything that we do is to point people to Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's why we do food drives, all right? It's why we ask you to bring cereal for hungry kids. And we do cereal drives, and we partner with Channel 11 and all these other agencies in bringing cereal in. It's why we ask you to prepare food for Bethlehem House, which is a women's shelter in Conway. See, it's so that people might see Jesus, so that we might point them to Jesus, not the Church of the Nazarene, but to Jesus. It's why we do an Easter egg hunt for all the kids in our community, With 30,000 Easter eggs that we ask you to stuff with candy, it's why we do that. So the kids in our community can experience joy. And we might somehow, in some way, point them to Jesus. It's why we have a huge fall festival around Halloween every year. It's why we do that. You know, it's so that kids can have great joy in the city. And maybe in that, be pointed to and see the sign that points to Jesus. It's why we partner financially with Soaring Wings. And some of you may not be familiar with Soaring Wings, but it's a ministry to kids that don't have a home. It's a ministry to kids that don't have a supporting family, that needs a a family, that needs to be raised in a Christian environment. That's why we partner with Soaring Wings financially each and every month. It's so that those kids, maybe like your kids, can experience some joy that they would never be able to experience otherwise. It's why we partner with them financially. It's why we have Renewal Ranch here a few weeks ago. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. I have learned in the many years that I've been here that I can't announce the Sunday before we have Renewal Ranch because our tenants dipped so low. If I would have announced the Sunday before Renewal Ranch came that they were coming and that we wouldn't have any of our staff preaching that Sunday, a lot of people that were here would have taken the week off. And that's unfortunate because the reason we partner with Renewal Ranch and we invite them to come in and tell their story and lead us in worship and receive a love offering is so that some men that are suffering from addiction can be delivered through, from that addiction through the power of Jesus Christ and His Word. And so we partner with them. Why? So that some men and maybe some families can experience great joy and be pointed to Jesus. You know, in And through that, it's why we partner with Soul Food Cafe. Out of Conway, they feed the hungry in Conway. We partner with them financially. It's why we partner with Conway Ministry Center. And we've asked you, we've done drives at Walmart. Uh, you know, we've, we've, uh, a few weeks ago, we packed 200 emergency food kits for Conway Ministry Center. The reason we do that is to help meet the needs of the homeless and the hurting and those people with great needs right here in Faulkner County where we live. It's what all these Wednesday nights are all about be in the hands and feet of Jesus, in the heat, you know. It's why for years we've supplied school supplies and backpacks to students in our community. It's what it's all about. It's why the counselors at the schools in our community now, they pick up the phone and they call us without any hesitation. Because they know that Nazarene Church is all about serving their community and helping the kids of our school. And so they call us all the time when a student has a need for a new pair of shoes. Or they need some clothes. Or they need a blanket in the winter. Or a coat in the winter. Or even eyeglasses. They'll give us a call and ask us to help. And we never tell them no. We always help them. I remember a day, I've been around long enough, when it wasn't easy for us to get on a school campus. When pastors and youth pastors and churches weren't really even welcome. Thank God for the school board and the administration that we have today that begs us to come. They beg us to come and be a part of the difference that they're trying to make in the lives of kids in this community. So that they might experience great joy. There was great joy in the city. When the words and the deeds of the movement were felt and expressed in in that capacity. And listen, we don't do these things to get the name of Greenbrier Nazarene out there. We do these things to get the name of Jesus out there. So that people would be pointed to him. So that people would, you know, see him. And they would hear about him and they would come to know about him and their lives would be changed and they would experience this great joy that comes from being a part of the movement and living your life for Jesus Christ. It is the only thing that will bring great joy to our city. It's the movement. Listen, as a part of this movement and a part of this community, I, as your pastor, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to bringing joy to the community that God has placed us in. Great joy that can only come through Jesus Christ. The question is this this morning, and you know I'm blunt, those of you that know me, are you involved? Are you involved? Are you involved in this movement? Are you involved in the works and the deeds that are bringing great joy to our city and our our community? Are you helping on this movement to bring this great joy through your words and through your deeds? Maybe your maybe calling is just to bring joy to your workplace. I've worked there. Our staff says they work there sometimes, right? But, but some of you work in places where there's absolutely no joy. Maybe that's why you're there. Maybe that's why God placed you where you are among all those difficult people. Maybe your calling is to bring joy to your workplace. Maybe it's to bring joy to your classroom. You know, maybe it's your calling to bring joy to the restaurant, the coffee shop. Maybe it's your calling to bring joy to a server that's just trying to make ends meet by waiting on tables. And instead of treating them Like they're a piece of trash and talking down to them and not leaving them a tip. Maybe we've been called to bring some joy into their lives. You know, maybe it's your calling to bring joy to your neighborhood. You know, often we, we, we'll move, we'll pack up and sell and move to a different town or move to a different neighborhood because they have better schools or they have, you know, better grass or, you know, they, they don't park their broke-down cars in the driveway, whatever it may be. Maybe the reason God actually moved you to where you're living right now is that you, so that you could bring some joy to your neighborhood. You know, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I was talking to someone. I have to be real careful about how I say this. Uh, I had a... Uh, seasoned Christian, you get my drift, an older seasoned Christian that I was talking to uh, about this last week. And and basically, and and I can't remember the exact words that were said, said, but uh, she said, you know, basically my age and my situation prevents me from being able to do a lot of the things that you're asking us to do. You know, the Wednesday nights, can't do the Hundred degree heat and uh, you know all that kind of stuff and just too old my situation doesn't allow that Uh, but she said i have to ask myself what is there that i can do wow what is there that you can do and she said so you know i i I kind of had to step back and and think you know what is there that i can do at this season of my life and the situation that i'm in that can make a difference and what's cool about it is, is this lady that was sharing this with me doesn't know the huge impact that she has had on so many. By simply being an encourager, writing cards, making phone calls, encouraging young people that are just, you know, beginning their journey and part of this movement, encouraging young married couples huge impact you see and 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 always giving god the glory and the credit for everything that he's done for them and their family and in the past and the faithful testimony that he's still with them walking with them through this later season of life don't miss this we all have a role to fill on this movement Every single one of us ha- has a role to fill on this movement. And it does not matter your age. It doesn't matter your education. And it doesn't matter your occupation. Our purpose is to glorify God. Our purpose is to do exactly what these ordinary people that we're seeing here in the book of Acts were doing. And don't miss this. It all begins by being captured By our testimony, by being captured by this message of what Jesus has done and what he is doing and and what he's promised to do in the days ahead. When we're captured and captivated by that message and we're surrendered uh, to the Holy Spirit, allowing him to work in our life, allowing us to do the things that we don't have the capability or the strength or the wisdom or anything else to be able to do. But it all begins by simply asking God. I believe a great place to start is just saying, praying, God, would you just show me? Would you show me the needs that I can meet? That only I can meet in only my situation, in only my place, in only my environment or my neighborhood. Would you show me the needs of those around me that I can meet? Because you may be the only one that can do that, that can meet those needs at a particular time time. And, 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 you know, we as a church want to help you do that, right? We, we, we want to enable you. We want to empower you. We want to, you know, we're always encouraging you. Uh, that, that's why we're continually presenting you with ways to serve and to help out in the church and to help, you know, serve our community. And if you don't know about these opportunities, um, again, I'm just blunt, you're not listening, <laughs> If you don't know what opportunities are out there for you to get involved in and and to support, you're just not paying attention, because being a part of the movement is also having this mindset that we're servants, we're to serve, love God, love others, right? Which which means serving others, and, and but to many, I, I know it just sounds like we're begging, and I've had people say that before. well you're just always begging for volunteers right? We're begging for cereal. We're begging for food. We're begging for cooks. We're begging for people to clean the kitchen (laughs) tomorrow at nine o'clock, by the way. Um, You know, you're begging for money. You're begging for people to cook and serve hot dogs in a hundred degree heat. And if that's what you hear, if that's what you hear is us begging, then maybe you haven't grasped yet what it means to be a part of the movement. All right, Because we're not begging you to do something just for the sake of you doing it. We're asking you to join us on this movement. We're asking for you to join us in bringing joy to our city and pointing people to Jesus. That's what it all is about. That's why we do every single thing that we do here. Is to point people to Jesus and hopefully bring this great joy to our city and our community. And what better way for us to bring joy to our city than meeting the needs of those who are in our city and our community, surrounding communities. Church, this is what the movement looks like. This is how the movement began. This is what it looks like. It's a group of ordinary Christians that are living intentionally in a community to bring joy to it through their words and through their deeds. This is the movement. This is what the movement does. And my question to you again today is simply this. Will you join us? Will you join us and help us to point people to Jesus and hopefully bring great joy to this city and our community? Let me me pray for you. God, I just thank you for this reminder today of what we've been created to do and what you've called us to do. And God, being reminded in your word of of this call, I I believe it helps us sharpen our focus on what really matters and what's really important. And it's easy for us to get sidetracked. It's easy for us to uh, get comfortable. And God, we celebrate what you've done for so many years right here through this church, in this church, in this community. And the church has a great reputation for uh, serving this community. But God, you're not finished with us. There are still a lot of people that we go to work with and we gather in restaurants with and coffee shops and go to school with. People that we're surrounded by each and every day that, they need a sign that points them to you and the hope that only comes in and through a relationship with you. And, and, and when people come to know Jesus and they come to know you and, and they know the help and the hope that we have in you, then, yes, there will be joy. And so it's my prayer, uh, God, that we would be a, a group of people on this movement with the others in this community that would bring great joy to our city. And point people to you. That your kingdom would increase. Not that our church membership would increase. But that your kingdom would increase. And so we thank you for this wonderful reminder today. And the challenge. Are we a part of that? Are we a part of this movement? It's making a difference. Not only in our city, in our community. But in this world. Because we all have a purpose. You created every single one of us with a purpose. Are we successfully fulfilling that purpose in our lives? So God, thank you for, number one, encouraging, but also, number two, challenging, always through your word. We thank you for that. We love you for that. Now I pray that as we go out from here, God, thank you for giving us more opportunities to represent you and serve you. We're blessed that you would allow us and extend us the invitation to do that. But God, I pray that you would find us faithful. And I pray that you would find us obedient. And if there'd be anyone that's here today that goes, you know, I've never really been a part of that. We're not asking them today to be a part of the church. We're asking them today to be a child of God. And everything else will take care of itself after that. And so if there's anyone that's here today that's never surrendered their life to you and accepted you as Lord and Savior of their life, I pray today would be a day that they would do that. That maybe just right now or maybe later in the day, they would find a quiet place and a quiet time just to come before you, seek your forgiveness in their life, and surrender control of their life over to you and allow you to be Lord of their life. And God, and then they would have the courage to stand up and say, today was the day that I made the decision to follow Jesus and become a part of the movement. God, I thank you for what you're doing. But most importantly, I want to thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead through these people that are uh, beautiful, beautiful parts of the movement. God, we look forward to what you're going to do in and through us. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless you all. I love you guys.